0: You can heal the world. It's time for governance by Grace. Welcome to Grace Archie with Jim Babka. Jim. I love that new splash by the way. You want yes. to give a little wanna give some props to our, uh, Randy, to our Garbin. Randy, Randy Garbin.
1: Randy Garbin, who listens to every one of these episodes and helps us to come up with a design, sometimes a subtitle. Uh, Randy's been very helpful. I'm appreciative of Randy.
0: Yeah. Thank you, buddy. And we Randy, include we his you. link in every show note. So,
1: you know, if you want some artwork done, some graphic design, I've used Randy's services many times. I recommend it to you
0: too. This is uh, episode 80 something and way back. You remember episode 30, the last time we took on governor Greg Abbott down in Texas, <laughs> we need this guy to stay in office, man. Cause he's given <laughs> us people. <fuel. laughs> But we rung him out pretty good, didn't we? Making Texas poorer and the sanctuary cities richer. Yes. uh, Texas is back in the news. It hasn't, uh, immigration hasn't stopped. People still want to be in America uh, in spite of the expats who have good reasons for leaving. And and, in any case, so we're going to take on immigration again. And there's kind of a border war going on between Texas and the federal government down there right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've got some things to say about that. We're going to say them in a different kind of a way because, um, yep. As many of you know, Jim Babka is a regular guest on the Gary Nolan Show, Zimmer Radio Network. Gary's out of Missouri, right? Somewhere yes. in St. Yes. Louis or mid uh, Columbia. 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 is the main market. They've got, they're have got in three cities, but Columbia's the main one. Love, Gary. Uh, Jim's a guest. There, you can catch him on Thursdays, whatever your local time is, Thursday morning. on. Uh, I was going to say throwback Thursday, but it's Think Tank Thursday. Think Tank Thursday. I've got Governor Abbott on the brain here. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're going we're to do something different today. We're going to play uh, a recent appearance where Jim was on Jim was on Gary's show. Yeah, wrap your mouth around this one, Bill. And to lead that all together, um, I, uh, Jim offered a quote, and I'd like to read the quote. If we, and then we'll sort of comment on that, and then we're actually yeah, playing. it was actually it was oh.
1: actually the prompt to that got this conversation started. You'll hear Gary repeat it once we start to
0: play. Okay, so uh, here's the prompt. And this is Jim's voice. So when I say I, that means Jim, right? (laughs) (laughs) So here's Jim's prompt. I support nullification and secession when they're done to preserve the liberty of human beings. But I am dismayed when I see these strategies being used for anti-humane reasons. When nullification and secession are used to protect malicious acts in a given state It gives these tools of liberty a bad name, and the establishment has been quick to tie those ideas to bigotry. Tell me about uh, nullification secession, just for starters. So,
1: you know, you have the ability to separate from something, uh, either in, in deed or act, or by total relationship.
0: So, I um, mean, like divorce is the way that you separate divorce, from divorce,
1: Divorce would be the complete break of the relationship, and that is equivalent to secession. Got it. Secession means that you say, we're not going to be a part of this relationship or union any longer. It is the way that a uh, a governed district breaks off from another government in this particular case. So, it's the ability to walk away. And divorce is not easy. It can be messy, but that's what it is you would hate for things to come to that under normal circumstances, but, uh, uh, and there are other, a whole variety of ways that we can express our disagreement and displeasure with things. You know, you can petition, um, you can speak against various things, but another tool in the kit that I favor long before you get to a point of secession is called nullification.
0: Okay. And And this this is a little different, right?
1: Yeah. Nullification means that Uh, is based on an idea called interposition of the lower magistrate.
0: Oh, clears it right up. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) what it means
1: means (laughs) is that the people who are the local governors, the people who have been been chosen in the community to lead or at a lower level speak up on behalf of their constituents to a higher power or authority and say, uh, we're not going to enforce your rule or we're not going to help enforce your rule or we're not going to maybe even in some cases permit the enforcement of your rule inside our jurisdiction. Got it. Okay. And this runs right up against there's, you know, the Texas here in the instance that's going to be discussed, there's open talk about whether or not it should secede and return to its status as a Republic of Texas. On the other hand, there is discussion about whether or not uh, a certain pro immigrant tactic might be an example of nullification. We'll get into both as we uh, we cover this episode. It didn't take long for Gary to take that quote and instantly almost devolve it into a debate over immigration. I'm a bit raced and breathless. You'll hear a lot of like stammering around because I'm trying to make my points in the midst of of Gary doing
0: uh, playing devil's advocate. Yeah, right? he's really. But, but you managed to stump him a couple of times. He's speechless. He can't come up with the next devil's advocate thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> to him, he, you know, 95%, 98% agrees with my position. Yeah.
1: And But, you know, it's radio, and we've got to make sure that I was getting challenged and the right questions were getting asked so that it actually gets through. So, you know, this is a little more contentious than we normally are on a Thursday, Think Tank Thursday, but uh, still fun and uh, hopefully instructive.
2: I got this uh, missive from Jim Babka. Uh, I support nullification and secession when they're done to preserve the liberty of human beings, but I am dismayed when I see these strategies being used for anti-human, humane reasons. When nullification and secession are used to protect malicious acts in a given state, it gives these tools of liberty a bad name. And the establishment has been quick. ...to tie these ideas to bigotry. Uh, Jim, welcome to the program. I, I'm guessing you're referring to uh, Texas... I'm referring to Texas, but it's a, there's a
3: historical uh, precedent here. There's uh, this, the secession of uh, states in the South uh, before the Civil War for the purposes of slavery. Let's be very clear. Uh, this is not ambiguous. It's a fact. And for uh, 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 nullification was used heavily uh, for Jim Crow and desegregation uh, acts. Um, or segregation acts, excuse me. Uh, and uh, you know, in both cases, uh, this was anti-human this was anti-equal rights before the law this was anti uh, the, Im- the image of god the mago the theory of Imago day upon which uh, the declaration declares that we are endowed by our creator not by our citizenship not by the government Uh, but by our creator, a much higher power, with certain inalienable rights. These come with our humanity. And when someone says, well, you know, a state is being oppressed by the federal government, and I'm like, okay, well, how's that happening? Well, they're not allowed to do bad things to certain people. Uh, I think that gives uh, these really noble tools of liberty, nullification and secession, uh, a bad name.
2: Give me repeat that last uh, phrase. That they were being used for what? What, what I'm I'm trying to figure out what what is the, what secession? what are the what are the bad things that are happening uh, that secession would protect? Oh my gosh! Uh,
3: the the federal government has violated a number of uh, our individual rights and liberties, and should a state say, "Listen, we don't, we are not going to participate in your latest."
1: So <laughs> I'm going to s- explain here that, uh, that this has happened, but you don't think of everything you need to in the moment. And I want to I supplement this in a way that, you know, you have this moment, Bill, when you've been in a situation where you're like, oh, I wish I would have said the following. Well, I have, I wish I would have said the following, because I'm on, as you pointed out, a radio show in Missouri in this instance. And in May of last year, my organization's Downsized DC Uh, had signed on to amicus briefs that we submitted to the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, The Zero Aggression Project was part of that, uh, which is the sponsor of this show, zeroaggressionproject.org. People can check that out and sign up. Please sign up to the newsletter there. That's the most important action you can take, zeroaggressionproject.org. And when we we filed an amicus brief in the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals in support of Missouri's Second Amendment Preservation Act, So this was an an interposition of the lower magistrate or nullification as it's more commonly called. It said that certain federal firearms restrictions violate the Second Amendment rights of Missourians. And um, our brief argued that the district court did not properly interpret or understand the Constitution Supremacy Clause uh, because the other side, the government, was arguing that you know, we'll decide what the Second Amendment says. You have no business making that decision. And we said, no, 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 no. Everybody swears that oath. And that includes your sheriff and the governor and everybody else in the state. And um, we also said that it violated the anti-commandeering principle, which is where the federal government takes resources away from states and says, we're going to redirect your taxpayer-funded resources to our purposes. We're going to use them to carry out the law Uh, you're going to carry out the laws that we're we're enacting in this case. Um, And we said, no. And we laid out a a fairly articulate argument. I can give you some of those details in the show notes. But this was a case where we stood up and and enacted when the state was saying we're going to resist or at least better than resist in this particular case to be more precise to say in this very specific instance, they were going to be non-cooperative. 100% 100% non-cooperative with the federal government as they attempted to impinge upon the Second Amendment rights of Missourians. And this is an example of a noble act of nullification.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I like that you said noble act because, you know, you can get snarky with this stuff too and do it just to be in the face of somebody else. Yes. But so, but, I,
1: but, but I'm, 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 the whole point here with the statement or the prompt is that I don't think that the discussions going on around the Texas border is noble at this moment. That's my problem.
3: scheme, and the federal government says, well, you will, and otherwise we will do following bad things to you, the state could say, you know, we want to detach, we don't want to be a part of this union anymore. You know, people forget, uh, and and scholars have come up with complicated ways to deny it, but uh, the states formed this union. That's how this starts. And so the states can leave the union. It's, it's, this is logic. It's 101. And it also is how everything works. Everything has kind of an escape or a divorce clause. doesn't mean it's going to be comfortable. doesn't mean it's going to be fun. Divorce is messy. But it doesn't have to lead to violence. It doesn't have to lead to civil war.
2: All right, so do you have a problem with people saying... Um... The border is unsecure in Texas, the state of Texas is trying to secure that border, uh, and if the federal government wants to uh, come down to Texas and uh, force them to back off, then Texas should secede. You have a problem with that? Thoreau said there's a thousand
3: people hacking at the branches for every one that's, ha- that's striking at the root. And honestly, Thoreau is only wrong in one respect, and that is the ratio. There's a million people hacking at the branches for every one that wants to strike the root. I'm here to strike the root, okay? What is it that makes you worried about people coming across the border? Is it welfare? We don't have to extend welfare benefits to people. If you want to do something about welfare, which is the stealing of one. Person's money to give to another, I'm right there alongside with you. I'm anti stealing. All right, wait, you're-
2: just wait, wait, wait. So, um, right now, it, it, you go to sanctuary cities, they give you food, they give you housing, they give you clothes, they educate your kids, they give you medical. Uh, and you're saying, you know, if you want to solve the problem about the, the glut of people, stop doing that. Stop no, it the well No, 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 I didn't. I didn't okay. So,
1: Yep. I, I, I want to pause right here, because um, what Gary did, maybe uh, inadvertently, um, was suggest that the sanctuary city meant that the government was necessarily running the program. So first, I think we should explain what is a sanctuary
0: city. What, how would you define sanctuary city? Well, isn't there a federal cutout? Or no, 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 wait a minute. This is a state-level thing, right? Where, this, yes. where Within a state like California, where I live... Cities can say, we will accept um, immigrants who come here, uh, and we will care for them. We will stand up nonprofits, private citizens. We will do what it takes to keep people who have come here, whether or not they're refugees, but refugee helps, let's face it, to do the right thing until we can get them processed through the immigration system.
1: Yes. Yes. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good definition. So they're providing a, when you say sanctuary, it means a safe place, basically. A safe right? place, right. They've escaped to a place where they can't be grabbed by law and taken out. We're going to do this here. Yes. Uh, by the way, I want to point out another example of nullification. So we did gun nullification, which tends to be a little more associated with the right. Now we're talking about... Uh, um, human beings, human prohibition, and that tends to be a little bit something more the left wants to make sure that they preserve and protect. And in both cases, the same legitimate tactic used for a noble end. But you're in
0: California. Is it necessarily taxpayer-funded? No, in fact, it's mostly not. Uh, There are nonprofits here who do nothing but care for, say, sanctuary kids. When we had that whole thing about kids and adults being separated, People just jumped up and said, we'll house the kids. We can foster kids. We'll open our home. We'll do whatever we have to so that this uh, doesn't become a humanitarian crisis. That's not the government. It would take the government years to be able to put a program like that together, even in a city like San Diego.
1: So my voluntarist heart and my motive to want to serve my savior who said to, you know, whose book says to keep the, you know, you were once a sojourner and aliens. So keep those people Close, you know, have regard for them, respect them. Yes. I I, I'm moved by that. And I feel like that's the solution to the problem. I I don't want to see taxpayer dollars. I'm just trying to make that clear, being used for this purpose. I don't think it's good for, I'm going to explain this as we go on in the segment for the immigrant, but it's certainly it's not good for the rest of us. It's a source of, it's part of the potential source of division that we're experiencing in our culture, which happens every single time we steal. Taxation is theft. Every time someone experiences theft their prosperity, their harmony, maybe even their happiness goes down, but that harmony is a big, big thing we focus on a lot in this show. We call that the principle of human respect. I, I, I don't I don't want to see that happening. So I'm heartened to learn that in the case of sanctuary, this there's a lot of voluntary human interaction going on.
0: Yeah, it, it wouldn't work, Jim, unless the city had the support of the citizens.
1: Right? Okay. Okay, so I'm going to have something to say about that in a moment too. Uh, because you know should the should a city in Texas want to, and I have our time managing in Texas is happening, but should a city in Texas not want to go along with their state government? I think they have the same grounds that the state government might argue that it has for not going along with the federal government. Let's Let's play on and see what happens.
3: I'm not going to say that at all, because because it would be hypocritical of someone who thinks that Texas should be allowed to stand up to the federal government and be self sovereign, sovereign in their own law in Texas, and then say that some city somewhere can't choose to have
2: well, taxes. you said you as said arbitrary as can be. you said that um, it is a problem. The welfare state is a problem. And if you want to stop this, and the welfare state, right? Well, you know,
3: I'm I'm most concerned about ending the welfare state at the federal level. I would love to end it at the state level, but I have nothing to say about what you all do in Missouri. All right, I'm so meaning, all right, I'm, all right, right right. Now, I'm a citizen of Ohio. Uh, I can only speak for Ohio and and uh, the
2: United States. So, you want to end the welfare state? Uh, do you believe that uh, anybody in the government is going to end Social Security or privatize it or Medicare or Medicaid or welfare? Uh, so, so this is okay. So, instead of mustering up the political
3: energy to do something about this will scapegoat in a in people who never voted any of these policies in a place in the first place. We'll, we'll blame them instead for what's coming. This is the, we'll scapegoat them. Uh, I don't believe two, this is the two wrongs make a right theory. Since one wrong already occurred, we need to do another wrong until the first wrong will be righted. Well, what do you want to do about the first wrong, uh, wrong, sir? Nothing. I just want to focus on the second wrong. Well,
2: do you believe that we can end those programs, that this will happen? Pause. I, so I believe we should
1: tape. end these programs. I do I too. Stop the tape. Okay, yeah, I, yeah. I I want to say something about this. Um, the repeat of the question, I've done, I've done a lot of interviews, a lot, and I knew kind of where this was going right off the top when it was first asked. So there's certain questions that have kind of a gotcha feel, right? And I knew this was a gotcha, but if you need proof that it's a gotcha, it's the fact that it gets repeated. It's like, you have to assert my thing and then and so Gary's doing an excellent job of playing devil's advocate here. You have to assert my thing, and once you assert it, then you're kind of caught, right? Um, you'll see how I how I handle this, but he 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 will uh, he will basically promise that in the way in, in his verbiage that he's not get doing a gotcha question. They just needs an answer to this particular question. and then as soon as he does it, he springs the gotcha anyway. So I will tell you, I was in friendly environs. But this, if you're, this is done all the time in a media setting where the host is hostile to what your view is. So he was doing an excellent job of playing devil's advocate in this situation. He needed me to answer this question to set up his next point, uh, which a point that he knows a lot of his audience members may have uh, on their mind as well. Go ahead. Keep playing.
3: I think it will happen. your mother was right when she said two wrongs don't make a right.
2: Yeah, but do you think it will happen?
3: it is it, it it doesn't matter. Well, if it won't if, happen if, and you didn't answer morality the question, it matters if I'm accountable to God for the positions that I take and the values that I hold. No, I will not make that trade-off.
2: So I'm not asking you to make a trade-off. I'm just asking you if you think it will actually happen. I don't think it will. Not okay, teacher, so if no. it won't if it won't happen, these people are arguing We've got to do something to stem the tide.
3: We've got to do something to stem the tide. We have to commit a wrong to cover up the other wrong that we are unwilling to act on. You know, it's interesting because in the last 10 years, every time I've spoken out against immigration, here on this show, the phone starts ringing and people get mad at me. And when I I say something on, on, uh, when we said something at Downsize DC about it, we would get angry messages. More passion would stir over this issue. If I would say something about welfare, people go, same people. They don't care. They don't care. So then at the end of the day, I start to wonder, Gary, what is really motivating them? And when if you don't want to do something about welfare and you say that's your reason for your immigration stance... I have to start to wonder if it really is. If maybe something darker and more sinister inside you exists.
2: Did you see the video of those two police officers in New York uh, being swarmed by these uh, people who came across the border? And they were beating these cops up. It must have been seven or eight to two. uh, And and I don't know what happened there either. Well... Oh, they, and uh, I don't believe,
3: and I, and I, and I find this, this kind of scapegoating appalling, too. For every, you know, we have criminals who, li, who were born and raised here as well. Quite a few of them. I mean, they're, they're on the streets. It's actually an issue right now. Crime is up. Uh, so, <laughs> to, to, to point to these anecdote, anecdotal situations, because for every one of those, I can point to you 10 immigrants who've come over here, maybe 100 immigrants who've come over here. And but I could
0: do it personally. Like, I can name off immigrants. Let's
1: name off immigrants.
0: Okay. Yeah. Let's hear some.
1: Okay. So I had an experience uh, early in my marriage. So this is going back into the 1990s where I met an African gentleman who um, said, Jim, you don't understand. Your streets are paved with gold. Paved with gold. And he didn't, he was living in a tiny basement apartment. He was working two jobs. He had put himself through school as a nurse, Uh, he had arranged to get married. Uh, to a woman, so that he could acquire uh, his citizenship here. Um, he bought her a house. That's how hard he worked, and uh, and then he went uh, he went back to his country and actually set up his family. He began He brought a woman back that for his second marriage is the the one that he did for love and family. And uh, rather than move out of his apartment, he was already invested in in real estate. He was beginning to buy up apartments that he could rent to people. He saw nothing but opportunity here. He was an incredibly hardworking guy, and he saw far more opportunity than, um, than people who were born here, frankly. Uh, let me tell you another one. One of my wife's v- best friends um, right now is Karen. Uh, the Karen people are, are uh, refugees, Christian refugees from the Myanmar Republic. There's like nine different groups there, and, and a couple of them are really on the outs, and they routinely experience severe persecution. Uh, akin to you know Jim Crow South type lynchings, right? Houses burned down, hangings, uh, just terrible things that happen to them. Uh, they come here, they work, uh, they both have jobs, uh, they raise a family here. Um, they they they're, they're trying to do all the right things in a community, a group of people who've come here. There's several hundred of them here in Akron, Ohio, who've come from this ter- this this part of the world where they were suffering persecution, and they have refugee status to be here. Uh, with their families, but they're separated. You know, when they, when, uh, her husband's and her husband's brother, uh, were attempting to flee the country, they were not granted visas to join each other. So he just saw his brother, uh, late last year, uh, you uh, know, who was from Australia. He's now in Australia. That's where he lives. They're separated. They're, pl- they're, you know, they're half a planet away from each other. Um, but he's, you know, this family's here enjoying the American dream and that's the key thing. I, 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 I come down where I'm at in large part because I've met people like this. These are two of my favorite examples uh, over the course of my life. But I've met people who, you know, they really see opportunity here and, and they come here uh, to, make a better, to make a better life for themselves. And we should want more of those kinds of people here. They add to, to what we have. They, they, they bring us great food. They bring us some of their culture. You know, this is something that we should
0: embrace. I'm with you on this. I know many uh, Persian people who escaped after um,
2: the debacle. The,
0: the yeah. Ayatollah came to power, and you know, the queen and, and the king had to leave, and uh, they just got out. They said, we got to get somewhere else, somewhere that's that place. They came, chose to come, in many cases, was the United States.
3: The opportunity fully to, to try to experience the American dream. They really love this country. They love the opportunity here. They feel blessed and fortunate in ways that rich white liberals don't. Rich white liberals, You want to, if you are looking to scapegoat a class, pick them and deport them. I might even get involved in that. I might even commit that wrong to help <laughs> make our country better. But I'm not interested in committing this wrong. These people are innocent, and they really? should not be held accountable. One person... No Hundred different people should not be held accountable for the act of one person who just happens to be of the same bloodline as them.
2: So these rape cases that we keep seeing and
3: uh, thing, the, the murder thing—it's thing. It's not there's no, there's no evidence that that's that
2: not the matu- you're, you're saying, you're saying, saying it's, that's that the a, incoming
3: population commits any more crime per capita than our own population that was born or raised here.
2: All right, so per capita, uh, there's... uh, They actually seem to be better. I'm telling you,
3: if you get... What I feel everybody needs the experience of is is getting to know and meet people who actually are refugees to this country. And seeing how they live. And seeing how they raise their families. And seeing how they value and, and treasure what they have here. And learning what they've sacrificed to be here.
2: So just let them come across the border, come into the country? If we had a legal process in place for these people
3: to come in, they would quickly sign up and get involved in the process. And there's no requirement on our part to provide them with welfare benefits. There's no requirement to even let the
2: first generation vote. We don't even have to permit that. But they're bringing... Drugs across the border. Um, no, there's fentanyl it's, it's,
3: coming over. It, we, we, okay, this gets into a completely different area, and it's one you and you have covered on this show <laughs> probably ten thousand times. This is prohibition. This is prohibition, and there's an iron law of prohibition. Everybody should understand it. When you make something illegal. You, you dramatically increase uh, the concentration of it. You try to make it as small as possible so you can sneak it across. And because immigration is illegal, they can use human beings as mules to move it. These issues should not be considered as part of the same problem, uh, I don't believe, but to the degree that they are, it's because that there are people who can take advantage of people who are trying to get into this country.
2: All right. That's I'm, 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 hold, I'm, I'm let me up against the things. clock. You come back with that. i got to take this break Okay. and then open up the phone lines. Do you agree with Jim Babka or do you disagree with Mr. Babka? Gary shows Zimmer Radio Network, 952. Jim Babco with us. We were talking about uh, seceding because you don't like the way the border is being protected, uh, letting people come into the country that want to work, uh, not categorizing all of them because of a few bad guys. Uh, and he had one more case that he wanted to make, and he'll do it now? Yeah, that's, that's the illegal
3: immigration program uh, problem such that it is is not driven by people uh, coming across the border. It's almost entirely driven by people overstaying visas. That's where it happens. That's an extremely high percentage of it.
2: Rex sends me a message uh, from uh, GaryNola.com for those advocating for Texas to secede. They obviously haven't thought it through because it will do nothing to solve their border crisis problem, but will actually complicate it immensely. They'll still have hundreds of thousands of immigrants crossing or attempting to cross uh, the Texas southern border, but there will now be a new northern border between Texas and the USA. With that northern, uh, with that new northern uh, border, Texas will no longer be able to freely fly or bust the immigrants to uh, the northern sanctuary cities without oh, all sorts right. of new hindrances.
1: So we th- that's the whole point of the episode 30, right? It was Governor Greg yes. Abbott making Texas poor because he's shipping uh, workers, he's shipping productive human beings off to other places. Yep. And uh, so that was the whole point of episode 30. I would encourage people to check it out. Let's go ahead.
2: Matt is on the line. Matt, good morning.
3: Hello, Gary. Hey. So, I just have a question for Jim. I'm kind of sitting here wondering why Texas is not a special case for secession. They are the only state that was their own nation. It's the People's Republic of Texas. They freely joined the union, and to the best of my knowledge, it is written into their constitution that they can make the vote to remove themselves. They freely entered. They could freely leave. I don't... Every other state, you know, is a U.S. territory, acquired in one way or another, that graduated statehood, but they seem to me a special case. I don't
2: know that they actually need a
3: reason if they so choose.
2: Because they were oh. a republic. All right, Jim?
3: Yeah, listen, I uh, if, if, if I, just, I said at the top, you, what you read from me at the top of this uh, se- uh, segment was, I, I'm all for secession. And if there's a st- state that wants to secede, because I think there's a debt tsunami coming, and I think the states that get off first are have the best chance of getting out, uh, getting out whole. Uh, the states that leave last, I mean, I think there's going to be... Uh, the United States has had a for real cataclysm. So if there was a free state to go to, I would want to go and I would cheer it on. I just this if this is the cause, if this is the reason, I think it gives the the concept a bad
2: name. So it's the motivation, Matt, not the idea. The motivation. Yep. All right, Matt th- Thank you, sir. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan show. Tim says we should close the border and build a wall. We'll need it to keep citizens from escaping after we finish Uh, converting to full socialism. After all, (laughs) currency collapse will see folks uh, floating to El Salvador. Yeah, Yeah, so
1: (laughs) part of the reason I kept the uh, show going uh, this long into this second segment was just to get to Tim's comment. I would like to think I probably had some influence in Tim leaving that comment. I have made that uh, exact argument on Gary's show for years because I've been making regular Thursday appearances for multiple years now. And I, I I've made that argument before that you know we we this is part of why conceiving a, a policy in malice uh, is so bad it tends to boomerang back on you the force that you direct out kind of karmically comes back to revisit you and it ends up getting you much harder like the problem itself won't get on unsol- won't get solved it'll get worse the, that your solution will actually somehow find ways to exacerbate it but then all of a sudden you'll find that you've lost your liberties and freedoms in the midst of all of this. So, uh, I wasn't making that particular argument during this this segment, but I was glad that Tim showed up and pointed it out.
3: Uh, And they'll let you leave, but not with your money. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. well, they do that now. That's what the wall will be for. It'll be another reason. They're already in your bank accounts and every other bit of your life in a, in a way, the way that you probably don't even begin to fully grasp. Uh, and that's the point. They'll So they'll let you leave with nothing but the shirt on your back.
2: Well, right now, right now, they will stop you if you try to leave with too much of your money. That's exactly right.
3: That's exactly right. So this is the real purpose of a border control: is to control the cattle inside the, the, the farmer's land. Your cattle, your tax cattle. Uh, it's to control you. That's exactly right. Tim nails it on the head.
2: So you know and what I always point out, and, and your two wrongs don't make a right argument is valid. Uh, but uh, here in this country. We'll go after, you know, your your jugular vein has been sliced, we're going to put a Band-Aid on it. Well, that isn't going to fix it. you got to go after the root problem. And we won't do that. And the root problem is the welfare state. You eliminate the welfare state and the war on drugs, the only people coming to this country are coming here to work, to be successful.
3: Yeah, you know, we've got these great stories uh, of previous generations of our own. Like, a lot of Americans walk around saying, you know, my grandfather, great-grandfather, whatever, somewhere in in their lineage, came here with nothing but $16 or $5 or, you know, just the shirt on his back, and then went out and did this and that and the other great thing. I talked to a woman earlier this week whose parents were the ones that came here. Her father came when he was 15 years old uh, with $35, I think it was, and made a life for himself. Like, he built a big, successful business. Um, uh, and he sacrificed his whole way. She said, "We never had a new car the whole time I was growing up." And she said, "When I turned twenty, uh, when I graduated college, my father bought me." a brand new vehicle. It was the very first vehicle the family had ever bought. She said, I never seen my father spend money that way, but he was that proud of me. Like, that's amazing. That's an amazing thing. How does that happen? It doesn't happen the way we've got the system set up. Now, in fact, these people come over and start to get started, and they immediately get kind of trapped in a system where there's <laughs> it's hard to get off of it because of the cost of medical care, for one thing, which is another thing government is ruined by getting involved. Like, well, my the grandfather. every single time is the state being involved.
2: My grandfather, Roger Matta, came across the border from through Mexico, came from Lebanon, started his own business. Uh, his uh, daughters and uh, son all started their own businesses, and they were all successful. Uh, the more people that come in, the better we are. There's no so full mark. So what some. I'm hearing, Gary, is we should deport you.
3: you're an anchor baby you're an anchor baby i knew it all along something was wrong
2: babka's got to go now
1: (laughs) (laughs) so that's some of the pleasant banter we have on think tank thursdays that's actually pretty normal for us to have moments of laughter like that and uh, uh thank you to brian hansen for delivering me that clip and zimmer radio network for allowing us to share it Uh, You get to hear Gary's real heart at the end of that and even his family history that leads him to have that heart. And that's where I want to land the plane here today, Bill. I want to land it on heart. Yeah. I want to land it on the notion that all of us are created in the image of God. And that should mean something. That should matter. Several of the Bill of Rights amendments the first 10 amendments, a few of them mentioned persons, not citizens, persons having rights because those rights come from God. And that's the position of this show. It might not be your position, and I understand that. Maybe you don't believe, but that's the position of this show. If the faith is worth having, it's worth having in part because we recognize that human beings were made special each, that male and female, they were created in the image of God. In Latin, they say the Imago Dei. It's one of the two uh, metaphysical claims, as it were, that underlies this show. We care immensely about the fact that each person does matter to God. They are special in the eyes of God. And if you are a follower of Christ, if Jesus is your example, if you are a disciple of that belief, then you have to follow that guideline. You have to do the right thing by individuals. A policy, at the end of the day, that says that a state is sovereign, therefore it can do things that are malicious, therefore it can do things that are anti-humane, and it has states' rights to do it. it, gives valid liberty tools, like nullification and secession, a bad name. I would want those tools used In the ways that we've outlined in the show, whether it's sanctuary cities or preservation of Second Amendment rights or any other individual right you can think of, that's how it should be used. That's the graceful method, is to look to the individual that God created and say, there is someone special who should be able to flourish and pursue happiness.